you know, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is, and it kind of fits in with what we're talking here anyway, uh, is in Romans chapter 14. And I encourage you, if you've never read Romans chapter 14, you ought to open up the Bible and just read the whole chapter, right? I mean, there's, uh, let's see how many chapters. There's 23 verses in Romans uh, chapter 14. Uh, but really, if the church would do Romans chapter 14, there'd be a whole lot less strife in the church, right? A whole lot less uh, stuff going on in church. But this one particular um, verse here, because uh, I could teach on Romans 14, just the whole thing, you know, and, and uh, I think you would enjoy it. But this one verse in verse 5 says that uh, one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Um, and, and, you know, so the whole context of Romans chapter 14 is, you know, there's things that you really believe that you feel strongly about that are different than what this person over here believes and what they feel strongly about. Uh, and Paul is saying, look, uh, whether you believe this thing or don't believe this thing, he said, be fully persuaded in your mind. Amen. And then if you read the rest of the context, he says, look, if you believe something different than this person over here does, then leave him alone. Right. Believe what you believe. And that's great. Uh, and, and be fully persuaded that what you believe is right, but leave everybody else alone. Uh, and, and, you know, if the church could do that, right? Uh, I mean, we've had people come in here and just rail about, you better not have a church steeple in this church. You know, it's ungodly. It's of the devil. It's, you know, it's, it's I mean, just railing about a church steeple, you know. And, of course, there's something in me that just rises up. To, you know, I, when they start saying that, in my heart, I start designing a church steeple. I'm going to have it. It's going to be 20 feet tall. It's going to have a bell tower. You know, I'll probably have a radio tower. I mean, I, you know, because I think it's none of your business whether we have a church. I mean, if you don't want to have a church, fine. Go build your own church building, right? But, uh, and you don't want church steeples? Fine. Don't have a church steeple, right? But uh, how, much, how many verses out of the 31,102 verses in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not have a church steeple? That's zero, right? So how important do you think the Lord thinks a church steeple is? If he ain't never said nothing about it, then he don't care, right? But, but, but you care, okay. You know, now, I, look, I personally don't have a problem if you think a church steeple is wrong. You know, I, I ain't got time for that. If you think it's wrong, praise God, you know. Uh, but don't run around and do this right here, you know. I had a fellow spend an hour telling me how wrong it was to have Easter celebration. An hour. Now, he didn't start, to, he didn't start out with that. He spent an hour going blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, I, I realized... He's talking about Easter. We shouldn't have Easter. We're still going to have Easter. You know, all you kids like finding candy on Easter. You know why we're going to have Easter? Because all these kids like finding candy on Easter, right? Uh, and, and so, and when they're done, uh, you know, on Monday after, I'll go over there and find all the ones they don't find, you know, and get other, you know. And, <laughs> and so I hide mine really, really good. So on Monday, I, I really don't do that. But, you know, but, you know, uh, is there, the, how many scriptures in the Bible says thou shalt not find candy? Uh, candy on Easter. That's zero. Yeah, there's literally zero, right? There's none in the Bible, right? Well, you know, it says you shouldn't have pagans. How many pagan uh, rituals are there about Easter bunnies? There are no pagan rituals about Easter bunnies, right? No, in the history of paganism, there's nothing in there about bunnies, right? Uh, and, uh, and besides that, bunnies don't lay Easter eggs anyway, right? That'd be Easter chickens that do that, right? Uh, and so, uh, and they're plastic anyway. They don't come from chickens. And you all know this, right? Uh, and look, uh, you don't believe in Easter? I don't have a problem. I really don't have a problem with that, right? Because uh, in the other chapters, Paul said, look, some people believe this. And that's what this verse is about. Some people don't believe. Well, you shouldn't celebrate Easter. Well, that sounds like one man esteemeth one day above another. And one man esteemeth every day alike. Well, then, so if we celebrate Easter, that's me esteeming one day, you know, the uh, Easter. Well, I don't celebrate Easter, so then you celebrate all days alike. And that, that's exactly what that verse is talking about, right? Did he say that one was wrong and one was right? He said it just don't matter because it's just a day, right? Uh, you know, I mean, one person said, you know, when's your birthday? I don't celebrate birthday. I mean, it's just, I mean, just mad about it. Now, why are you mad? I guess he'd never celebrate. I'd be mad, too, if I couldn't celebrate a birthday. You know, you mean you never get a cake? No. You might need to eat more cake. You know, if I was your doctor, I would prescribe cake because you're unhappy. You know, I mean, if you're unhappy because you don't eat cake, then eat some cake, right? Now, look, you don't want to celebrate your birthday. Does the Lord say it's okay for you not to celebrate your birthday? He says it's fine, right? One, one esteemeth one day above another and one esteem every day alike, right? So, you know, in the church, we'd all get along way better if 
if it would be okay. Now, look, he's not talking about Jesus coming and the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice. of the, He's not talking about any major doctrinal issues. He's talking about what, what's your personal things that you like to celebrate or that the things that are important to you or things that are not important to you uh, that just don't mean anything, right? None of these things mean anything. Uh, and and the, whole, the whole chapter's talking about stuff like that. Uh, and he said, just, you know, don't be so hard on each other. Uh, people just rail against us. I mean, just because, uh, you know, we're, as the pastors, we get to decide those things, you know. And I had a pastor friend uh, in, um, in Alabama or in Georgia. He said, we've got this, this new couple coming. They're a really great couple. He said, but they came to me and said, well, we're not going to come to church while you have these pagan Christmas trees uh, that you're worshiping uh, in your building. And when you get them all done, we'll come back, right? When you get them all put back away, we'll come back. You know, and we're not mad at you. But we're not going to come to church while you got those things going on. You know, and I, I just think someday they're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus is going to say, so, now, there was a special service I had assigned just for you to learn some things about my spirit and my word. And it was on December the 21st on a Sunday. But you weren't there and you were set back in your life for 10 years. So tell me why you weren't there. Well, Lord, they had this tree. It was a tree. And, and they would go bow down and worship that tree. They were worshiping that tree. They weren't worshiping that tree. You ever bowed down and worshiped your Christmas tree? Nobody, uh, uh, nobody's ever bowed down and worshiped their Christmas tree, right? Uh, you ever made a sacrifice to your Christmas tree, like go get a chicken and kill it and sprinkle the blood on the Christmas tree or anything? No, nobody's made a, 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 a about a human sacrifice to the Christmas tree. Anybody made a? Nobody's no. You not killed anything for your Christmas tree? So you're not worshiping your Christmas tree? There's a, the, how many scriptures in the Bible are there says, "Thou shalt not have a Christmas tree." Well, you know how many there are? There's zero. There's literally zero, right? So how important do you think the Lord is? Uh, how important do you think that is to the Lord? Not important to him at all, right? Uh, so what if you don't want to have a Christmas tree? It's perfectly fine if you don't want to have a Christmas tree, right? I keep trying to, you know, telling Chris how it's wrong to have a Christmas tree, you know, in paganism, but it's mostly because I don't want to go up to the attic and get it, you know. It's, you know, it, and so uh, it's not about, you know, the fact that it's a pagan or not a pagan. It's just it's a lot of work. You know, they're heavy, you know, you can drag them down, you know, put them all up. And, uh, but uh, so I just I just like that verse because, you know, we'd all get along better if things that, you know, now, look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, you know, because I say these things don't matter. People really think they matter. Well, you can't have paganism in the church. You know, how many pagan uh, uh, music bands are there that that use a keyboard? How many pagan uh, terrible people play guitar? How many pagan terrible people use a saxophone? How many terrible pagan people use microphones? Uh, everybody does, right? Does that mean we shouldn't have microphones and guitars and saxophones? And what about carpet? How many pagan people walk on carpet every day? Well, you can't have carpet, you know, because pagans use carpet. Well, they do. But I'm still going to have carpet, you know. Uh, and so uh, you're going you're gonna to die on that hill of carpet, right? And die on the hill of... of so, you know, of course, they think, it, they think it's... it's uh, being facetious, and I'm not trying to be facetious and, and, and uh, make light of it, but and really, I, I'm, I'm fine if, if you don't want to believe in those things. I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me a bit. But don't bother everybody else. Right? Now, if I get up and say Jesus isn't Lord, or he didn't die for your sins, or we ever say anything like that? Well, of course, we never say anything like that, right? Uh, but just, you know, chill. And that's really what he's saying. Just relax. It's okay. Right? If you, if you really want to celebrate a day, and you want to go all out for Christmas and have, have all, all the, uh, uh, what's the guy's name on, on the Christmas uh, vacation guy? Uh, Griswold, right? Griswold, right? It's Griswold, isn't it? Uh, the, the Griswold lights, you know? And, and, all the, and you turn on your lights and TVA has to crank it up because you turn all your lights on. Praise God, you know? If you want to have just one light in the window, you know? If you want to have no lights, it's okay, right? So the church, if we could get along and just not be so... Uh, so adamant about things that don't matter. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if you want to celebrate a day, praise God. If you don't celebrate a day, then be okay, you know. But don't be so judgmental about everybody else that doesn't do that, right, or that does do that. You know, some people fight wars about, well, you should have church on Saturday. You should have church on Sunday. Does it really matter? They had church basically seven days a week in the book of Acts. So what day should you have church on? Well, seven days a week. Y'all want to come to church seven days a week, you know? I, I mean, I'd love it. I'd finally actually be able to get through some, some of these uh, notes that I've got, right? Uh, and so, um, 
So I just, I just, the, I like the whole chapter of Romans chapter 14. Uh, verse 5 is a good, good place to look at, you know, to see how we can get along. And if churches would, would start doing this and walking in love with each other and not be so, uh, so adamant about and so mean about it, if you don't believe everything I believe, well, you're just evil. You know, you're a pagan worshiper. You're going to call me a pagan. You're going to call me a pagan worshiper because of a Christmas tree, right? It's just that's really harsh. And who died and made you judge of the earth anyway, right? Uh, are, you, are you my judge? In fact, uh, the, uh, the, the verse there, uh, he says uh, uh, in verse 4, right? We were at verse 5. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? All right, so am I, the, am I your servant? I'm a servant of the Most High God. You're a servant of the Most High God. So for you to judge me, you're judging another man's servant. You're judging a servant of the Lord. And he said, who are you? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Amen. Uh, and so who art thou that judgest about Christmas trees and Easter and whatever, whatever, whatever? It just don't matter, right? And so uh, it's only February, but, you know, we're going to have a, uh, we'll have an Easter day or a Easter egg hunt, you know. Uh, we're not going to worship any bunnies, right? And, um, uh, it, uh, and we'll still uh, probably have an Easter message, you know. Well, you know, Easter's not in the Bible, blah, 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 you know, just, just, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's exhausting about how much effort people put in things that don't even matter about anything, right? Uh, and, of course, they'd be all mad if I, if, if they heard me tell them that, that they're wasting their energies on things that don't matter, right? Well, these things do matter. No, they don't matter. Not even a little. Not even, a, I mean, how much, how many Bible verses you got for your particular uh, thing that you think is so important? You got none, right? You might have one. Well, we got, there's one, one verse in Jeremiah that says don't have a Christmas tree. <laughs> how is he talking about a Christmas tree in Jeremiah, right? I mean, Christmas hadn't happened yet. So, uh, and so uh, you got one obscure verse somewhere, you know. Uh, I, I'm too busy teaching uh, uh, the, what is it, 7,957 verses in the New Testament, right? Uh, and so let's let's stick with things that are important. Amen. So can we do that? You want to believe things different than me? Praise God. You know, it's OK. Right. Uh, and and uh, when we get to heaven, you'll find out how wrong you were. But, you know, between now and then, just relax. Amen. It's OK. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute. And we'll get into praise and worship. So all of creation still knows your name. And so, Father, my soul. My mind and my will and my emotions will be at rest. Father, there's nothing in all of creation that still doesn't know your name. Everything knows your name, Father. So, Father, my soul is at rest. My soul is at peace. Father, I walk in your peace and rest each and every day, Father. Every day, Father. Because you still have a great name. Your great name, Father, can cause the... Because you still have a great arms to be at rest, Father. And so if creation can be at rest, Father, then I can be at rest. Thank you, Father. You still calm the storms, Father. Still rebuke the waves. And Father, I can be at rest. If you're still the God of all power, then I can be at rest, Father. If you deliver me from all the afflictions of the righteous, Father, then I can be at rest. If you live on the inside of me, Father, then I can be at rest. Father, you said when these things come, when the, when the beginning of the end of, the, of this age starts to happen, Father, and there's wars and rumors of wars, you said to look up, for our redemption draws nigh. And Father, if we can look up, then our souls can be at rest. Father, we thank you. We have such a great privilege and an honor to be able to live at rest, Father. Father, we thank you for that great privilege, for giving us your word and your spirit, Father, for giving us your church giving us, Father, all the blessings of heaven in your name, Father, so we can live at rest. Father, you said, come unto you all that labor, Father, and are heavy laden, and you will give us rest. 
Father, many times we take on burdens, Father, and weights that are unnecessary for us to bear. And you told us, Father, that you would exchange that for your rest. So, Father, we can, we can be at rest. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. Do we have the right and the privilege to be at rest? Yes. You know, we, we do. Amen. Uh, and so <clears throat> we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, and so um, over in the book of Hebrews, um, he said um, in, verse, in Hebrews chapter Three, it says in verse seven, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and do not and have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And so uh, the, the reason why our hearts are not at rest is because there's unbelief in our hearts. If we will choose to believe that the Lord is so, that, uh, that he still commands the winds and the rain to be still, then we can be at rest. Amen. And so it's not a condemnation that, uh, that you're not at rest. But, uh, but if you can find the root cause, well, Lord, why can I never be at peace? Well, the root cause is that we are not in faith. Amen. We are in unbelief somewhere in our life. Well, God can't even take care of this. This problem is too big even for God. Well, that's unbelief, right? That's not believing that God is greater than all of our circumstances. Uh, and he said, today, if you will hear his voice, amen. Harden not your heart. So are you hearing his voice today? Is he telling you to be at rest? Did he say to, to cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you? Amen. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and just one other verse in relation, in relation to that in chapter four in verse two, it says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So the gospel is preached to everybody. Amen. But it said the word preached did not profit them, implying that it did profit us. Amen. Why didn't it, why was it of no value to them? He said, because they did not mix it with faith in them that heard it. So when the word of God comes forward, our job is to take that word of God, mix faith into that, right? Uh, and then stir it up according to the instructions. Amen. You know, you bake a cake, you got to stir it up so much, right? You don't just put the flour and the sugar and the eggs in there and then throw it in the oven, do you? Nope. What happens? It'd be really gross, right? You'd have a fried egg on top of a box of dry uh, powder of, of flour. And then, of course, the bottom would be all sugar, you know, be fine, right? I don't know which one you put in first, but I mean, if you just take a pan of sugar and bake it, what's going to happen? It's going to turn into molasses or something, right? I don't know what actually happens, right? Right, But um, whatever it is, it's not going to be good. Why? Because it wasn't mixed, right? We've got to mix it. Amen. We've got to take the word of God, take our faith and believe the word of God, mix it all up and say, okay, there's no distinction between my faith and the word of God. Uh, and, and so he said that the, it's the same word, right? Preach to them, preach to us. Profits us as of no value to them. No profit in their, in their hearts. Same exact word. Not a different word. Well, they got a better word. No, they didn't get it, but it's got the exact same word. Amen. They heard it. We heard it. Profits us. No profit to them. The only difference is our faith. Amen. The only difference is, because how many times has the word gone forth? You, I don't believe that. That ain't so. That never worked for me. That didn't work, that didn't work for people like me. Well, you know what that is? That means I'm not mixing that with faith. I mean, if there's a hint at all, I'll take it all. Oh, yeah. Lord, you said you'll deliver me? I'll, I'll take it right now. Yes. Well, how's that? I don't know. I have any idea. I'll figure it out, you know. Yes. But if he said he would, I'll believe it. Amen. Because what, what we're supposed to do, our job, our responsibility as humble servants of the Lord is whenever the word goes forth, Lord, I'll take all of that. If you said I can have peace, I'll be the most peaceful, peaceful person there ever was. If you said to walk in love, I'll be the most loving person there ever was. If you said to walk in kindness, I'll be the kindest person there ever was. Uh, what happens a lot of times, well, you don't know what they did to me. That means you're taking the word of God and you're setting it aside. I ain't mixed no faith with that. Not that word. This word over here, I like that word. This word over here, I don't like that word. So I'm not going to mix that with faith. So that word will never profit you. 
Now, there's profit in the word, but until you mix it with faith, it's of no profit. Amen. Yes. So, uh, so that, that's and the, the advantage of that, the value of that is that we can be well. It is well with my soul. Amen. Um, is it well with your soul? You know, you ever heard me say all is well? I say it all the time. Why do I say that? Because I'm telling my soul all is well. It doesn't matter what the circumstances I'm walking in. It doesn't matter what's, what's, what's outside of my life. My soul is well. All is well with my soul. Because my spirit's already fine, right? Your spirit never needs, never needs any help. It's already born again, sealed by the Holy Ghost. It looks just like Jesus. Amen. Made from the same stuff that God's made from. Uh, it's fine. It's your soul that's a big basket case of, of uh, insanity, right? Uh, and so your soul, your mind, your will, and especially your emotions need help. And so you should use your faith. Mix it with faith. It's well. Well, how could it possibly be well? Because he delivered me from everything. Because he loves me. Because he does good things to me. Because he always uh, takes care of me. Amen. Uh, and so how could it not be well? It's got to be well. He said it was well. Amen. Well, you don't understand. The Lord doesn't understand. Really? Your problems are even too big for him. Wow, you got some big problems. I mean, you know, he created the whole universe by speaking it, and somehow your, your problems would have to be bigger than the universe, right? You know how big the universe is? They don't even know how big the universe is. You know, they, they, they kind of guess, you know, but they don't really know because it's bigger than they can imagine. You, you know how many stars there are in the sky? They don't, they don't know. The last time they checked, it's like, well, we think it's like trillions. You know, how many trillion, you know how many trillion is? A trillion's a lot, right? A trillion is what the government spends every day, right? Uh, but uh, that's a lot, right? Uh, they don't even know. Uh, uh, and they always act like, they, oh, yeah, we know. But then they'll, they'll look over this, in this direction over here and go, wow, we just found another trillion more stars. You know, we didn't know they're there. And the problem is they don't know how to see that far away, right? Because it's so far away, the light's traveling. It takes millions of years for the light to get from that star. If you look up at the sky, you see stars, you oh, aren't those cute? But they, are, they are cute, but that light that you see from that star has been traveling in your direction for a million years, sometimes a billion years. Sometimes, as far as they've seen right now, it's about a 14 billion years. They can see stuff that's about 14 billion light years away, light year, right? So one light year is how long the distance that light will travel in a whole year. That's a long distance, right? You know how, light tra- how, fa- how, far, travel, how far light travels in one second? It travels 186,000 miles in one second. So you take that for a year, how long would that be? That's a, that's a far piece, right? Oh, yeah. that's, that's beyond over yonder, right? I mean, you, over yonder is about where the moon's at, right? Yeah, yeah. But then you got beyond over yonder is where these light years are at, right? And so, uh, but somehow our problems are bigger than that. They're not bigger than that. They're, they're tiny little problems compared to that, right? Uh, and so... He said, uh, it will not profit them unless it is mixed with faith in them that hear it. Amen. You've got to mix the word of God with faith. You've got to follow the instructions. When the word of God comes forth, you've got to, you have to choose as an act of your faith. The Lord, that word's for me. Lord, I choose the, that word. If he said it all is well with my soul, then all is well with my soul. Uh, and, and we should not, because he, he said their problem was, uh, that when they hear, hear or heard his voice, they hardened their hearts. Mm. That ain't for me. That doesn't work. You know, that's just false hope. Uh, that doesn't work for everybody. It works for him because he's got it easy. It works for them because they, they don't have it like I've got it. What are you doing? You're hardening your hearts. The, the, I mean, the word's God keeps on coming, right? And what are you doing? You're trying to resist that word. Well, I ain't, that, ain't, that ain't for me, right? Uh, I can't be healed. Uh, you don't know, you know, my mama had it, my daddy had it, you know, everybody's got it. My, my great aunt on my mother's side, uh, twice removed, had it. Yeah, everybody's got it, right? So if they've got it, I've got to have it. What are you doing? You're hardening your hearts to the word. Mm-hmm. Amen. When the word of God comes forth, because the word of God wants to come into your hearts, right? It wants to come into your heart and show how big God is. Uh, and you just slam the door on the, on the word of God. And he, and he says, they shall not enter into my rest. Well, he wasn't keeping them from his rest. They were keeping them from his rest. They were keeping themselves from the rest of God. Uh, and, and we see people like that all the time. They just cannot rest. They can't just be at peace with God. Everything is drama. Everything is turmoil. And we know people like that. Sometimes we've been like that. Uh, just, it doesn't matter what it is. Somehow they won't be at rest. I mean, if there was no, no weather outside and no economic downturn and no pandemic or epidemic or anything like that, they, you look at those ants. I mean, there's... Just, I can't believe it's ants over there. You know, they, they find something to be unrest about, right? To be a, a, at unrest about because it just, 
uh, some folks, they, they just can't be at rest. Oh, oh, you look good. Yeah, well, you know, you just wait, though. It won't last long. You know? I mean, you know, I'll find something, right? How are you feeling? Well, good for right now. But you just give me an hour, you know, I'll feel bad, you know. Uh, and and uh, they, I mean, they're, right now they're fine. But their faith is, yeah, but it won't last. It doesn't, it doesn't last for me. It might last for you, but it doesn't last for me, you know. What are they doing? They're hardening their hearts to the word of God. Amen. So, so, he said, so he said, don't be like them, right? Don't harden your hearts like them. Amen. He said, mix it with faith. Amen. And then, then he said uh, that you can enter into his rest. Amen. If they shall enter into my rest. Uh, the only way you can enter into the rest of God. See, I want to be at rest all the time. Uh, and I choose to be at rest all the time. Doesn't matter what people say or do. I will be at rest. Amen. Uh, and so, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Uh, well, let's, uh, we're there in Hebrews. Let's just turn over one book there to the, to the book of James. Uh, there's just a couple more things I wanted to talk about the will of God. And um, I thought it'd be good to start here. I know we've talked about Colossians 1.9, about how you can be filled with the real knowledge of His will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, and that should be your faith. Lord, I can know the will of God. Yes. Don't ever say, well, you can never know what God wants you to do then God would be unjust to ever, ever judge you on doing what he asked you to do. Amen. Because when we get to heaven, the only thing we're going to be judged on is, did we do what we were told to do? Yes. Amen. That's it. Uh, because it would be unfair for him to, did you do what I wanted you to do, but I didn't tell you? Well, Lord, how would I know what to do? You should have just known. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I know? If you didn't tell me, how would I know? You should just know. But that would be unjust, wouldn't it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they pass a law in secret. They don't tell anybody what the law is. And then they come in and give everybody fines for, for not uh, doing that law. Well, how would we know? You should just know. You know, they say ignorance of law is no excuse, but that's because laws are public, right? Of course, they're impossible to read. You ever try to read a law, right? I mean, they're just, they, they, it's written by lawyers for lawyers, but, uh, you, you know, they say without excuse, but, you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's a little bit of a trap there, right? But with the Lord, he doesn't do that, amen? He makes laws that are easy to understand. Uh, walk in love. Well, how hard is it to understand walk in love, right? That's not very hard. So is that a secret law? Not a secret law. It's well known. Amen. So when you get to, get to heaven, he's going to say, did you walk in love? Well, I didn't know to walk in love, Lord. Well, I said it like 18 times. Well, I didn't know. Well, that's not my fault. That's your fault, right? Uh, that you didn't know. Uh, but he's not going to uh, judge you on something that he didn't say. Amen. Uh, and so the problem with that is there are two ways that he tells us things. Number one, and always number one, is by the word of God. Walk in love. Does he have to tell you to walk in love? No, he already told you to walk in love. But number two, you, the specific will of God for your life, right? Go here, do this, do that. Well, that's not covered in the, in the word of God. That's covered by his spirit. I mean, that's covered by the, the revelation of the will of God in your life. Uh, and what happens a lot of times is the Lord, you now the Lord's not really loud. He doesn't, he doesn't send you an email, right? He doesn't send you a text message. He'll do it by his spirit, very quietly, very, very uh, peacefully. Here's what I want you to do. Well, I, I can't do that, Lord. I ain't doing that, Lord. But will he still judge you for that? Sure he will, because he told you to do that. What if you don't want to listen? He's always still talking, amen? If, it spe- if, he, if he speaks it, we're responsible for it. What if I didn't hear it? Well, that's not on him, right? If he said it, all that matters is if he said it. It doesn't matter if you heard it. It matters if he said it. If he says it, then, then we're responsible for it, amen? amen. Uh, and so... Uh, then the approach we need to have in our lives is, Lord, my desire is to do your will. That should be the general heart cry of every, my, my heart's desire for every Christian in the world should be, Lord, I want to do your will, whatever that is. Uh, and see, we should be okay with that because uh, a lot of times we'll make an excuse like the man did in Matthew 24, well, Lord, you're hard, and I don't I want to do a hard thing. Well, the Lord, number one, that's an excuse, and the Lord's not hard. But he tried to get out of doing the will of God, didn't he? How well did it work out for him? He called him a wicked and a, uh, 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 an evil and a wicked servant. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, we've got to get to a point in, in our heart's desire in this life that we're living in. Because here in James, let's read what it says in James chapter 4. Uh, he says here um, in... Um, well, let's start in verse 13. Uh, go to now, you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So what, what are they doing in verse 13? They're just, well, here's what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything inherently sinful in this statement? Yes. 
Anything wrong with having a business and selling stuff, you know? I mean, unless you're selling, you know, like illegal drugs or something, right? But there's no, there's nothing in here that says what the specifics of what they're wanting to do is illegal or unethical in any way, just normal buying and selling stuff, right? Uh, he says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. So, of course, some people will take that verse there that, that says that your life is a vapor. But a vapor compared to what? Yeah. It's compared to eternity, right? Yeah. So, so we live here, if we live the fullness of the earth on the earth, we can live 120 years. Uh, and how long is 120 years compared to forever? It's a vapor, right? It just poof, just like that, right? Because between 80 years and 120, that's not that much of a difference, right? That's not a vapor compared to a long time, right? 80 years to 120 years is not that big of a difference, especially when you compare it all to eternity. So he's comparing your life to, to eternity. So what he's saying is you're here for such a short time, just hold your breath and do what God wants you to do, Amen. Uh, a lot of times people make all these plans and, and there's nothing wrong with planning and strategizing and laying out here's, here's what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. Uh, it just has to be done with an eye that, Lord, what do you want me to do? Amen. What, what is it that you want me to do in this life? Uh, and it may be that he wants you to go in such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. You know, I, uh, my opinion is that God made you and whatever you're good at, God made you good at that. Amen? Yes. Now, he didn't make you good at selling drugs, right? That's not a thing, right? That's not, well, God made me good at doing sin. God did not make you good at doing sin, right? You've taken what God uh, gave you the ability to do, and you turned it into a sinful act. Amen? Mm -hmm. But you could take that and sanctify it and put it in the right context and it'd be okay. Amen? Uh, and so, you know, people play devil music all the time, right? Music that's just ungodly and just, you know, elevates the devil and, and things. And there's a lot, of, a lot of music that doesn't do that specifically, but, you know, but just, there's a lot of music that is. Well, does that mean that God didn't give them that talent to play that guitar or sing that way? No, God gave them that talent. They've taken it, though, in a way that, that wasn't godly, amen? They could then take that back into the will of God and, and, and get lined back up with God. Uh, and so... So he said that you're here for such a short time, you know, in our minds, we think, well, we're, you know, my life is so long, you know, your life is a vapor, amen, uh, uh, compared to eternity. And he said, you ought to say, uh, so, so James is telling, here's what you ought to do. He said, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. So he didn't say that you're not going to do this or that, right? He said, there's going to be this is, this is things and that things. I don't know how to say that correctly, right? But there's going to be things that you do over here and things you do over there. And he said, uh, if that's the will of God, then that's what you should do. So, uh, so that should be our general plan. My plan is to find out what the will of God is for my life. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and, you know, and I'll tell you about, um, uh, I was talking to a pastor one time. Uh, he was pastor of, of a church and, and uh, this church was kind of in a small town and uh, it was kind of an isolated town, right? So, you know, like our town, we've got, a, if you go that way, you got a town that way, you got a town that way. You got a, I mean, you know, Dayton is not secluded from all the other towns around it, right? It's pretty close, but this town was pretty secluded uh, and, uh, and he was unhappy. Uh, he, he, you know, in his mind, he, he thought he should be a pastor of a big church, you know, in a, in a thriving metropolis and, and doing certain things for the Lord. Uh, and um, uh, the people that he had, you know, uh, he, he didn't like him. He said they didn't support his, he would have a special meeting and they wouldn't come out for the special meeting. Um, and, and, you know, he said they wouldn't give and they would, I mean, you know, so they just complain, complain, complain. And he said, hey, I, I want to move my church to this big town. Uh, and then he, and he asked me, he said, what do you think? Well, see, that's, to me, in my mind, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I thought, that's a really dumb question. What do I think? You know, you should, you should move your, your church to a big town. Because what's that got to do with the will of God? Amen. Is it the will of God to move? I don't know. I mean, if it was the will of God to move, then what should you do? Move, move right? If it's not the will of God, what should you do? Stay. Don't move, right? Stay. To me, I mean, it, to me, that's a real, you know, I mean... Uh, that, that, that's like going through the pros and cons, you know. Well, what's the average, what's the average salary in, in this area? Okay, that's where I want the church, right? What's the average giving for people in this area? Okay, that's where I want my church. 
I mean, what's the average age of the people in this area? Okay, that's where I want to move. Is that how we decide where to put a church? I thought God decides where we put churches, right? Uh, and so to me, it was such an odd question because I, and I said, I said, well, it doesn't matter. I said, what's the will of God? Well, I just, I just want to move. You know, they're not supporting me at all. And what's he doing? He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go here. I'm going to start this church. But to me, that's just, just opening yourself up complete and total failure. Because they said, what if we go in such city and buy and sell and get gain? Well, so could, do they have the ability to get gain? Do they have the ability to be successful financially and successful in their business? Well, sure they do, right? I mean, they just say we can do it. Uh, it so is your success, is your financial success a measure of the will of God? No. That's not the measure. of the, Now, a lot of people think it is. Well, we're successful, so we're in the will of God, right? You know, people look, look at church like this one, right? And, um, you know, we've got great people here, but we're not the biggest church in town. So does that mean we're a failure? Nope. Well, you must be out of the will of God because you don't have more people. Well, is that our measure? Is that the measure? I mean, because if that was the measure, we could just tape a $20 bill under every chair. We'd have the chairs full tomorrow, right? You know, and, and uh, probably just do one chair, right? Because then, then you, people wouldn't want to come and then they'll fight for the same chair. Uh, and, and so, I mean, is that, I mean, we could do that. Is that the right way to do it? You know, no. Uh, and, and I've had one person say, well, we've got a lot of people come to a church, so you can't argue with the success. They said those words to me. Now, you know, in my heart, I didn't do it, but in my heart, you know, I raised my hands like, well, I've got a question. Have you ever read James chapter 4, right? Or like any other verse ever, right? Uh, because do we measure success by what we can observe in the natural realm? I must be in the will of God because of this. We measure whether we're in the will of God in the New Testament by our spirits. Yeah. Nothing else. Not by, well, if I'm successful, then, then I'm in the will of God. If people came in, I'm in the will of God. If my business was successful, I'm in the will of God. You know, if, if I'm happy, I'm in the will of God. If I'm making money, I'm in the will of God. Are any of those things the measure of the will of God? The only thing that's a measure of the will of God is, number one, the word of God. Number two, what's the spirit of God say to you? Amen. Now, the problem with that is the Word of God's pretty easy, right? Because it's in front of us, we can read it, no problem, right? But the problem with the Word of God is it's limited in the sense that it doesn't cover all of your life situations, right? It doesn't cover the job or the person or the church or the street or the car or the house. or the, It doesn't cover any of those scenarios, right? About what you should do in those situations. So then, then as New Testament Christians, then we have to move over and rely upon the Spirit of God. Well, that's the part that's the issue, right? That's the part that in the New Testament church is the biggest issue for the church is relying upon the Spirit of God to lead us and guide us in all truth and direct our paths. Because we don't like that. That makes us nervous. We can't measure it. We can't count it. We can't color it. We can't, we can't prove it. It's just in the spirit realm. And so what we often do is then we, we take the Word of God over here. That's fine. But then we add natural measures over here. So we take the Word of God and we add to it natural measures. Well, if I'm successful, it was the will of God. Right? If I get the job, it was the will of God for me to get it. If I bought the car, it was the will of God for me to, to actually buy the car. If the bank says yes, it's the will of God for me to get it. If the bank says no, it was not the will of God for me to get it. So what are we doing? Well, we've got the Word of God, but then everything else we depend upon natural measures to determine the will of God. In the New Testament, that's 100% wrong. Uh, in the New Testament, we rely upon the Spirit of God about how to do things, right? Uh, in fact, uh, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, of course, we, we mentioned Colossians 1.9 that we can be filled with the real knowledge of His will. So, so our job is to be filled. We have to be filled with the knowledge of His will. Well, where are we filled with that? Number one, in our spirits, right? Our spirits are filled with the knowledge of, of His will. Well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then that filling of that knowledge will fill up our, our, our spirits and will illuminate our minds about what we should do. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we have the capacity, the spiritual capacity to understand what the will of the Lord is. Amen. Uh, and, and now, is this, a, is, this a, is this a suggestion? This is the commandment, right? So if we don't know what the will of God is, what does he say that we are? We are? We're unwise, right? Well, you just never can know what the will of God is. Well, you're unwise. Did I say that? 
I didn't say that. If, if Paul said that, right? Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Who inspired Paul to write it? The Holy Ghost, right? Inspired Paul to write it. Well, who told the Holy Ghost what to tell Paul to write? Specifically, Jesus did, right? Uh, so Jesus actually said these words to us indirectly, right? Like two steps away, but it was Jesus who, who, who I want these words to be said. Now, Holy Spirit, you tell Paul what to say. And Paul said, okay, here's what you should say, right? Be not unwise, but understand. So, but this, this verse tells us a lot of good information. Number one is we have the capacity, the ability to understand what the will of God is, right? Is that what it says? Be not unwise, but understand what the will of God is. So we can understand what the will of God is. So you should never say, well, you just never know what the will of God is. That's in direct conflict with what the word says, amen? Our job, according to Hebrews chapter 3, is to take that word, this word right here, and to mix this with faith and say, well, Lord, if you said I can understand what the will of God is, then I can understand what the will of God is. That's mixing with faith. That's me saying, yes, that's true, Lord, I can do that. Yes. Now, uh, we understand what the will of God is by his spirit. He, he illuminates our spirits about what his will is for our lives, amen? Yes. Um, and, and so uh, let's turn over then to the book of Matthew. Um, I don't know that we're going to get done with that today. I, I was thinking we'd get done today, but, you know, are we on any timeline? No. Is, this, is, is there a law? Are we going to be done a certain amount of time? No law, right? That's one nice thing about pastoring, right? Because pastoring, you can start anywhere and just go forever, right? You just, and you get done when you get done. We had that, that service on Friday. You got to do everything beginning and end in one service. That's, that's really constraining, especially for me. I'm, I'm not used to that, right? I'm used to, let's open up, you know, Genesis 1. And well, we'll get done with Revelation 22, you know, in 80 years from now, right? No problem, right? But uh, if you go into a service, to a special service, you've got to begin and end at some point in time, right? Uh, and so, uh, so here we are in, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 16. Let's start in verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man uh, will come after me, let him deny his, himself and take up his cross and follow me. So this is, this is our life right here. Matthew 16, 24 is our life. Right? Our life is we will follow him. Amen. We're going to follow him. Uh, and he said, take up his cross. Now, what is, what is your cross? Are we all supposed to die on the cross? Are we supposed to shed blood for each other? No, who did that for us? Jesus did that for us. So, so he doesn't talk about you literally taking a cross. Right? Some people get martyr syndromes. Well, unless my life is hard, I'm not a good Christian. Blah, 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 right? You can be, didn't he say, uh, if you believe him, you, uh, uh, that you can have fullness of joy, right? Back in the book of Nehemiah, didn't he say that joy of the Lord is your strength, yeah. right? So you can be, you actually have a, have a right and a privilege to be happy. Uh, you know, you, some Christians, they, you know, they think they can't be happy. They're going to be really sad when they get to heaven. Like, why are you all so happy around here? <laughs> We're in heaven, right? We're all wrong, you know. Uh, but the, so what, what is our cross? What's your cross? The hard times of your life? You, you only going to have sadness and grief in your life? No, what was, the, what was the cross of Jesus? Well, the cross of Jesus was really easy. In, in, Matt, in Matthew 26, he said, uh, nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thy will be done, right? So the cross of Jesus was the will of God for his life. Whatever the will of God is for your life, that's your cross. Amen? And, and that's pretty easy, right? What, so, because he said, not my will, but your will be done. So that's your cross. Whatever his will is for your life, that's your cross that you've got to, that you've got to bear. Now, is, is, is the bearing of that cross heavy? Is it hard? No. What did he say in Matthew 11? That his yoke is what? Easy, easy and his burden is what? All right, so if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now, when you say deny himself, uh, he, uh, we talked about that. That's in relation to when your will is in conflict with the will of God, right? Well, I don't want to preach. Well, if God told you to preach, then what should you do? You should preach, right? Uh, well, that's not what I want to do. It doesn't really matter, you know. That's, where you, that's when, when, you're, when your will is in conflict with the will of God, you know. I had somebody one time say, you know, I can never go to a storefront church. That's really an odd law, right? Yeah. I mean, why is that a law? That's not, is there any Bible that says, thou shalt not go to a storefront church? No. I mean, you know, if there was, then we, we would, of course, we're not really a storefront church because is, is this a store? No. It's not a store, you know? I mean, it's just a church on a street. Well, all churches are literally on a street, right? I mean, aren't they on a street? <laughs> so how, I mean, you call it a storefront church, but what do you even mean, right? It's just, it's just words. You're just saying things, right? It don't mean anything. Uh, and so, 
Uh, people just love to come up with stuff. I can't go to that church. It's a storefront church. What does that mean, right? Uh, if we throw a steeple on it, then is it a church? I mean, I don't know, you know. People are just, uh, people are funny. But people say that, I, you know, but they say, I can't go to storefront church. Well, what if the Lord wanted you to go to that church? Then what you've said, then, then, then I don't do that. I don't do that, Lord. I've got a law. I don't do that. But the will of God is for you to do that. If it's, your, if it's God's will for you to be here is what I'm saying, right? If it's God's will for you to be here, but you've said, I don't go to storefront churches, now there's a conflict. The Lord wants you there. You don't want to be there. So what should you do? Deny yourself. Well, Lord, if that's where you want me to go, then okay, right? See, that should be really easy. I had a friend of mine, and, and, you know, and, I, and I tell folks this, and I'd encourage you to, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, this is not a, a Bible verse, but it's a Bible principle, is, is don't make laws. Yeah. <laughs> People make laws all the time. Well, I don't do that. Well, what if the Lord wants you to do that? I don't, I don't lend money to relatives. What if the Lord wanted you to do that? Well, then he'll have to submit a request in triplicate. And then it'll be denied. Bam, denied. I don't do that, Lord. Don't you know I don't do that? But what if the Lord wants you to do that? Is there any law thou shalt not lend to your neighbors, to your, to your, to your family members? That doesn't mean you have to either all the time, right? I mean, I've told plenty of family members no. I've told some of them yes, right? Uh, and so well, if they call me tomorrow, I'll wait till tomorrow. Lord, what do you want me to do? See, when they, when they call, I just check them out. Lord, what do you want me to do? And if he says no, then, then well, don't you feel bad? No. I mean, because he said no, not me. If he says no, then it's easy. Amen. Well, I don't do that. I don't trust anybody. Well, what if the Lord needs you to trust somebody? Well, what if, I mean, are there any trustworthy people in the world? I know I'm trustworthy. I know a bunch of you are trustworthy. I don't know if I can vouch for all of y'all. A little, a little shifty there. But, you know, I know some of you in here are trustworthy, right? I'm guaranteed, right? So we're not going to point anybody out. But, you know. Uh, and so, can you make that law? That's not, you can't make a law. Be careful about making laws. Because your laws will come in conflict with the Lord. I had a friend of mine, you know, he said, I don't, I don't eat breakfast food for, for supper. I don't eat pancakes, you know, for supper. And I, thought, and I told him one time, because he's my friend, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if he's my friend anymore, but he, I said, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Who made a law that, that pancakes are only to be consumed before 5 p.m.? Yeah, Is there a law somewhere? Has the United Nations said, you know, we've made a law? Pan- no pancakes after 5 p.m. Otherwise, we'll tase you. I mean, is, it, is that a thing? Now, his wife loved breakfast food, right? I love going out, you know, she loved going to IHOP or whatever, you know, eat breakfast food for supper. And in fact, we call it night breakfast at my house. We want night breakfast. We love night breakfast. Don't we love night breakfast here? Pancakes, you know, bacon at, at night, you know. And people are like, that's so weird. Who made the law? Yeah. Is there a law? There's no law, right? I mean, you can eat steak for breakfast and you can eat pancakes for supper. I mean, you know, there's no law. But see, what happens is, is we make laws and then they become in conflict with the will of God for our life. All right, so, so, and that's the issue. It's not, you know, it's never an issue when you're in 100% alignment with God. And if everything you're doing is exactly everything the Lord wants you, then there's nothing to deny, right? Everything is fine. All is well. The problem is when, now, uh, nobody, including the Lord Jesus, has ever lived a life where what they wanted to do was not in conflict with what God wanted to do. Even Jesus said, right, not as I will, but as thy will be done. So nobody, not even Jesus. Now, now the only person to ever live without sin, Jesus. But nobody has ever lived a life where what they wanted to do was always in alignment with what God wanted them to do. Nobody, not even Jesus, according to Matthew 26, right? So, so will there be a time in your life when what you want to do is in conflict with what the Lord wants you to do? There will come a time in your life. And especially if you're not used to living this way, if you're not used to living in the will of God, there will be a lot of denying of yourself. If you, if you get it settled in your heart, Lord, I'm going to start doing this. If you'll get it set on your heart that I'm going to do what you want me to do, then there'll be a lot of denying of yourself initially for a season where you've got to learn how to, well, Lord, I, you want me to do that, but I don't want to do that, right? Well, then deny yourself, right? That's the time when you can say, no, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Amen? I, I, and I can't tell you how many times uh, that, that I, I have been in that exact situation. I mean, probably hundreds of times. Lord, I'm going to do this. Lord, I want you to do that over there. Lord, I ain't doing that. Well, you know about that. You don't know nothing about that. That's what I want to do. You know, I don't, I don't you know, I'm not rebellious like that anymore. Uh, but uh, if you really desire to live in the fullness of God, then, then Matthew 16 is where you want to be. 
Because this is really the, the root of every Christian's problems in their life is Matthew 16, 24, right there. That's the root of every problem in every Christian's life is not uh, following up Matthew 16, 24 in your life, right? Problems in your life. Uh, because uh, you can be happy. See, it doesn't mean everything is perfect around you, but, but if you're in the perfect will of God, you're happy every day. Yeah. Every day you're happy, right? Uh, it, the problem is when we get out of the will of God and we don't want to do the will of God, you know, the Lord, the thing, you know, he is not uh, disrespectful. He's not rude, but he is persistent. He'd be like this right here. Hey, what about that? You know what I'm talking about? Just oh, yeah. that pressure, you know, hey, I need you to do that. Well, Lord, I don't want to do that. You know what he's going to do tomorrow? And what if it's 10 years from now? He's going to go, that thing 10 years ago? I still need you to do that. See that, and that's where we get under pressure. Well, we're, we're under pressure because our flesh wants to do this. Spirit of God wants us to do that. And we don't want to give it up. And Lord, you know, he won't say nothing. But he's just like, and, and, if you, and if you stay rebellious all the days of your life, it'll still be there. Because he's God. He wants what he wants. And, and he has a perfect right to want, ask what he wants, right? And if you'll do it, you'll enjoy it, you know. Well, I mean, you'll be, in, you'll be happy, amen. Uh, there's plenty of things that the Lord asked me to do that I'd rather do anything else, like eat dirt or anything, right? You know, especially when it comes with other people. Hey, go talk to them. Why do I want to do that? Why would I want to do that? They hate me. Well, go talk to them anyway. Well, I don't want to go do that, Lord. Doesn't matter. You know, I still want you to do it. Uh, uh, you know, it'll be like uh, 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 your comments are noted. Do it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Lord, I don't want to do that. Okay, do it anyway. It's not like he doesn't know, right? And, I, and, if, you, and if you don't want to do it, 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 you might as well talk to him about it. Jesus talked to him about it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. You might as well talk to him about it. Lord, I, you know, Jesus said, in fact, Jesus was looking for an out. Lord, any other way? Any other options besides going to the cross? You know, there's nothing wrong with having a conversation with the Lord. Amen. The, the issue is, what are you going to do at the end of the conversation? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's really, that's, that's really the key. It's not that, Lord, I must be a bad person because what I want to do is not what you want me to do. That doesn't make you a bad person. You know, unless what you want to do is sin. But, you know, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Anything wrong with not wanting to go to the cross? A sane person would not want to go to the cross. You want to go to the cross? I ain't going to the cross. You want me to die for you? Pfft. No way, right? If, if bullets are going, to be like, hey, duck, you know. I mean, if we're in, a, in, uh, if we're in the woods and a bear's coming, my only goal is run faster than you, right? I mean, you know, it, it just don't matter, right? I mean, see you in heaven, right? Uh, and, um, you know, uh, and if I see a bear, I'm going to, you know, take, uh, take some ketchup and throw it on you, right? <laughs> and then he's going to follow after you, right? Get this guy. He's got ketchup on him, right? Uh, I really wouldn't do that, you know. But, but um, unless I had ketchup on me and then you know, throw a little bit of barbecue sauce on you and then I'll run, right? <laughs> and then the bear be after you. But, uh, and so, but what if the Lord said do it? Well, then I'd, I'd do it, you know. But if the Lord didn't say do it, then I guess I got options, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, but the issue is not that what you want to do is in conflict with what the Lord wants you to do. That's not the issue. The issue is what are you going to do about it? And that's always the issue is what are you going to do about it? And see, if you really love the Lord, oh, I love the Lord. You don't love the Lord. I mean, I, I can't. People say, anytime I hear people say, I love the Lord, first thing I think, you don't love the Lord. You're just saying that, yeah. Because uh, if you've got to brag about your humility, it's probably not humility, right? You know, uh, I think one person said, the thing I'm most proud about is my humility. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, if you, really, if, you, if, you're, if you really gave it up to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm here to do whatever you want me to do. See, then, then when that conflict comes and, and you realize what you want to do is not in alignment with what the Lord wants you to do, then, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself right here. And, you know, there's blessings on the backside of that. It'll be good for you to do that, amen? And it's really, it's really healthy for you to do that. Now, I think most Christians, you know, 80, 90, maybe 95% of the time, maybe 99% of the time, what you want to do is in perfect alignment with what God wants you to do. If you're living in the will of God, then you're pretty good for the most part. It's just sometimes there'll be some specifics. Hey, don't say that. Well, Lord, I, you know, I, they needed to hear that. Like, whatever. You know, I told you not to say that, right? Or do say that. Uh, and so, uh, so I wanted to cover a few things because Matthew 16, uh, starting in 24, the next few verses, the Lord really has some good 
information here that will help us, encourage us. You know, it's a little bit uh, stern warning, but it, it should encourage us that, you know, the Lord's not playing games with us. This is not, you know, a lot of times people think the Lord's going to overlook all this stuff. He knows, he knows I can't do his will. He knows. That's not true. He knows, I need, I, he knows I've got needs. He knows I have to steal that. He knows I just have to, you know, uh, he, I got needs. No. You know, the Lord is merciful and kind and precious to us. But he is unwavering in his will. He is unwavering. If he wants it, that's what he wants. He's unwavering in that. If that's what he wants, then, then he has every right as the great God of the earth to demand that we as humble servants of him do that. It's not unreasonable for him to ask us that. In fact, uh, Romans chapter 12 says it's your reasonable service, right? It's reasonable for us to do what the Lord asks us to do. So, you know, a lot of times people will think, well, the Lord understands. That is not a true statement, right? He, he, in fact, it's, it's bewildering to him that, he, that we would do something in direct conflict of his will. Because he's like, don't you know that I'll bless you? Don't you know that I'll take care of you? Don't you know that I'll always watch over you if you live in my will? Don't you know that if you're like Israel in my perfect will that you can never be defeated? You'll never go hungry. You'll never be sick. Don't you know? Have you seen that? That's why I wrote you the entire Old Testament so you can see that. Uh, why, why would you think that there's another plan? Why'd you, why would you think there's a plan B? There's not a plan B with the Lord. It's plan A and that's it, right? Uh, but it it's, should be a good thing. We should enjoy fulfilling God's will. Amen. We should enjoy desiring to do His will. It's not drudgery. It's not... It's not boring or terrible or uh, uh, unhappy or unhealthy. It's the exact opposite. All the blessings of the Lord will come about by following His perfect will. Amen? Uh, and so there will come time, though, when you, when you have to make a decision. Lord, I want to do this. You want me to do that. I will do what you want me to do. Uh, and that's what a healthy relationship with the Lord will, will be about. Amen? Uh, and so how many people in the world ha- have lived in the perfect will of God and, and never, ever uh, had what they wanted to do be in conflict with the Lord? Nobody. Nobody. What about Jesus? Nope. Even Jesus had to deny himself. Even Jesus. And so if the master had to do it, then, then we're going to have to do it too. Amen. Uh, and, and to me, that, I, I'm glad that Jesus, he specifically put that story there in Matthew 26 to show us that, you know, uh, having a desire that's different than the will of God is, does not make you a bad person at all. It makes you a human being. Nothing wrong with that. Amen. Unless what you want to do is sin, of course. But if it's just, you know, Lord, I just want to sit and watch the ball game. Nothing wrong with that. You know, unless you're watching like Alabama or somebody like that, right? Then, then okay, there's, that's probably sin, right? But, but besides that, right, you know, um, and so, you know, <laughs> uh, we won't get into that, right? But, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, right? Uh, except for some people, right? And, and so, uh, but if Lord says, hey, I need you to go do this instead, then that's when you've got to, okay, Lord, I'll be glad to do that. Uh, and that'll be, that'll be good for you, amen? Uh, and it's a good place to start. Uh, just, Lord, uh, help me to, to be in your perfect will, amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for being good to us, Father, for speaking to us. And, Father, we thank you that we have the ability to be in your perfect will. We've got your word and your spirit. And so, Lord, we have that capacity. And if we don't know, Father, we'll be like David and inquire of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go or stay? you want me to come or, or to go? Uh, you want me to go left or to go right? Uh, Father, what do you want me to do? And Lord, as we ask you those questions, just like David, you'll speak to us and show us. And you said in your word that you would fill us with a real knowledge of your will. We don't have to go through life wandering and wondering, Father, what it is that you want us to do. We can ask of the Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. You know, one of the things that, you know, especially, um, you know, in our lives, we're going, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? I just don't know what the Lord wants me to do. You know, then do the things that you know that you can do, right? If there's help at church that needs to be done, help at church, right? Uh, and, and it's a lot easier for the Lord to, to adjust a moving, uh, moving vessel than, than a vessel that sits in the harbor and never does anything, right? You go to James chapter 3 and look about what he talks about in that regards, right? So come ahead, Mr. Jared, we'll receive the offering. We appreciate y'all's faithfulness and giving, amen? And uh, our faith in our heart is that as you give according to his word, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom, amen? My heart's desire 
is uh, for you all to, to advance in your prosperity uh, and believing that as you advance in your prosperity, then, then the ministry will advance in its prosperity. Amen. The ministry's prosperity is not separate from yours. Amen. The, the church here, as we prosper, and the Lord's always prospered us. We've always been uh, profitable as a church. But that's because the Lord's prospered you all. Amen. And my faith is always that your faith, that your prosperity always increases, that you get raises and bonuses and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and as you do that, then, the, then this ministry will prosper. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so uh, and that's always been my faith. I believe that the, every ministry ought to be fully supported by the people in that ministry. Amen. Uh, and so we thank God for, for uh, your faithfulness and giving. Amen. Uh, well, don't forget, we have a healing school today at three o'clock. And uh, you all be blessed and you're dismissed.